Why do you think we have a tendency to chase comfort? And does God's comfort differ from counterfeit comfort? Well, let's talk about that today as we embrace authentic comfort in our final message in our series called Chasing Carrots, A Continual Pursuit for More, right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful that you are joining us today on this podcast. Uh, We believe that God has placed you wherever you are for a reason and a purpose. And uh, we just pray that that God will reveal what that is to you soon. Um, So... Uh, we're excited today because I, I know I am. I hope you are because we are wrapping up our series of Chasing Carrots, the Continual Pursuit for More. And uh, before we dive into today's topic, the final topic, uh, I do want to um, just remind you um, a couple of things. One, um, we just celebrated Memorial Day. Uh, do you be thinking about those that served and lost their lives um, protecting our freedoms here in this country to, to be able to do the things that you do. Uh, freely, obviously, uh, things like um, the jobs that you have, uh, the things that you buy, and and of course um, your faith that you're able to uh, honor and celebrate with publicly and and anywhere you want to, anytime you want to, uh, and that is just a blessing to have. And then also, um, man, if you like what you hear on this podcast. Uh, we would we could sure use your help in a couple of different ways. One, uh, definitely pray. Uh, be praying for um, for for myself as for this podcast. Pray that we're reaching people with the God's message. Uh, and then also, if you're able to uh, f- help financially, uh, that would be that would be great if you would uh, be a patron and and kind of help us out with that. Um, uh, when we're done with the the podcast today, we'll give you our website where you can go and and uh, help um, give towards that and keep this podcast going so that other people can hear what you hear and and uh, maybe we'll reach somebody for Christ um, you know soon. It'd be awesome, right? Uh, so let's dive in. Um, just uh, dive into what we've been talking about with our chasing carrots, uh, the continual pursuit for more. It is our fifth and final week, and. Um, We know that we live in a culture obsessed with the idea of living our best life, do we not, right? We sit on billboards, uh, perhaps people selling you medicine, you know, uh, on billboards because they want us to live our best life or wherever it might be. You have to have the best food, the perfect latte, right? There's even companies designed to help you make people think you're living your best life when you can't afford your best life, okay? I'll give you an example. Uh, believe it or not, this is a real thing. There is a website um, that has it's a company that has a website that will fake a vacation for you. All you do is send them in $49.95 or whatever cost for that specific vacation is. You send them some family pictures, and they will fake a vacation so that the world will know that you're just living your best life. Now... 
I know that sounds crazy and weird, but that's actually an answered prayer for me. I don't know about you because, man, just think about this. I don't have to waste all my money on going on to these trips or have to spend my money saving for these trips that I want to go to, right? You know, we can just go to the safari in Africa just like that, you know, no, no big deal. But what is wrong with our culture when that's actually a thing, right? What's wrong with our culture when that's actually a, a thing? You know, obsessed with living our best life. In this series, we've been talking about how anything that you chase, right, more than you pursue Christ is idolatry, right, period. And today, as we conclude this series, I want to talk about the carrot that, that being transparent to myself, I've struggled chasing most of my life. It is the endless pursuit of comfort, the pursuit of comfort. Our key scripture today is, is from the letter of 1 John, and, and I'm just going to tell you that this scripture is going to be a, kind of a, a bit of a gut punch. Uh, and if you don't know, John was the beloved disciple, and there was nothing that, that happened in the context of three and a half years of ministry with Jesus that John was not an eyewitness to, from the transfiguration to even being at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mother. He, he saw it all, okay? And during this time, there was some dangerous theology happening within the early church, and, and John had to deal with it head on. And so he says this in 1 John 2.15. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Can you say ouch, right? 17 times though, John in the just in the letter of 1 John, he uses the phrase the world 17 times. Now literally it means the world, but contextually what is he talking about? I think the best contextual definition for what he means by don't love the world is this. Do not love the cultural system of this world or even the spirit of this world. Well, what would that look like? Well, it'd, it'd be like if we said, you know, I just want to have enough to do whatever the heck I want to do whenever I want to do it with whomever I want to do it with and with no pesky distractions from things like pain or challenge. So what am I basically saying? I want to build a life where God, you aren't necessary. And if that is you, it's evident the love of the Father is not in you. Well, here's the thing. We have to be honest that no matter where you are in your journey of life, I promise you, every one of us has a desired life more defined by ease than it is struggle, okay? Right? Don't we? None of us are like, hey, I'm dreaming, you know, from five years from now, this is what I'm hoping for. I just can't wait for the pain that's coming my way. It's going to be so awesome, right? All that pain that's coming my way. None of us do that. We drift towards inactivity. We drift toward lazy, right? You don't believe me? Those of you who are married, I'm about to prove it. Husbands and wives, before you said I do, correct me if I'm wrong. Ladies, for some of you, your husbands would actually write poems for you back in the day, right? Maybe they would make you a mixtape of their favorite songs. And if you're not sure what a tape is, go Google, Google it, okay? <laughs> they would go to great lengths to do whatever, right? To, 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 to just um, honor you, please you, whatever, right? They even knew, and I know this is going to sound crazy, they knew what a florist was, right? And the purpose for it, right? Today, getting your husband to come to the dinner table and from in front of the TV is like you're asking him to climb Mount Everest, right? That's, that's me. My wife, I know, struggles with it, and I got to stop that, right? It's like we drift toward, I just don't want to do anything, right? We get in those modes. I, I don't want to do anything today, right? By the way, ladies, you're not off the hook. There was a day you used to shave your legs regularly. 
right? You, you did Zumba or whatever. You did it three times a week. You dress up all cute for date night, and now you still dress up to go out, but, but you put on the going out yoga pants instead of the staying home yoga pants, right? Like there's a difference. But we drift towards inactivity and ease, and it's a counterfeit, okay? It's a counterfeit. And so today I want to talk to you about what does it look like and what are the dangers in chasing a counterfeit comfort. Think about counterfeit for a minute. What does that mean? A counterfeit is a close representation of something that has value. But the counterfeit has no value. It has no depth. And so for those of us that, that find ourselves possibly, like me, chasing this thing that you can never catch, this comfort, we need to understand the two realities about chasing counterfeit comfort. And number one is that it reveals spiritual emptiness. Okay, It will reveal spiritual emptiness. And that's a problem. Because chasing, pursuing, and living for the desired life of comfort reveals what John says. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. It's this spiritual emptiness. Every time I've read this passage of scriptures in 25 years of being a Christian, I always felt guilty, right? I'd read it and I'd be like, well, I love my house. I do. I do love it. I love everything about it. And so because I love my house, clearly I don't love God. Or, I can't wait to go on that vacation because it's going to be amazing. And because of that, because I'm going to love that vacation, and because of what John says, clearly, I don't love God. Well, he's not saying I don't love God. What he is saying is there's an aspect of the love of the Father that I have not allowed to penetrate me, penetrate my heart. So what would it look like if you let the love of the Father for the poor get inside of you? What about his love for the broken, his love for the forgotten, his love for the faithful, the ones who selflessly serve? What if that love were so deep inside of you, I promise you, you would not be living for easy because you would be disturbed by what disturbs the heart of God. One of my favorite examples of this is about a guy named Dave. Dave is an executive in the oil and gas business. Dave does an hour commute to downtown okay, to work, and one day he gets to his work and he sees a guy that's homeless. And he looks hungry, and he finds out his name is John. And Comfort would say, you know what, you know what, Dave, just go to your corner office, make yourself a good cup of coffee, and go to work. The love of the Father says, go give him something to eat. And so he did. And one meal became two, and two became three, and three became four, and, and that became an invitation to church. Well, that's a problem, too, because he sleeps on a sidewalk downtown. So now Dave and his family take a drive, a commute, not just the five days a week for work, but now a sixth day of the week to go pick John up and bring him to church. He does that for three years, every single weekend, until the moment that John raises his hand and gives his life to Jesus. And then John decides, you know what, I'm just not going, I'm just going to go public with my faith and, and let the world know that I'm not the same. I've been changed by Jesus. And Dave got the opportunity to baptize John. And to this day, John is no longer homeless. He has a job, and he actually leads a life group for his church where he communicates the gospel to the people. Guess who he, what people he's talking to? To the people he used to sleep next to on the sidewalk. That's what the love of, Father, the love of the Father in us does. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. He says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them 
and was raised again. Chasing a counterfeit comfort reveals spiritual emptiness, and secondly, it eliminates our need for faith. And that's a problem as well. Chasing this empty pursuit of comfort, it reveals and eliminates the need for faith. In Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrews kind of does this storyboard of the key stories in the Old Testament, and every single story that he goes through um, starts with this phrase, by faith. Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of recap a couple of them. He says, by faith, Moses, with a speech impediment, stared down the most powerful human being on the planet, Pharaoh, to deliver God's people. By faith, Abraham left the home of his ancestors to go to a place where God wouldn't even reveal where he wanted him to go. It would ultimately be the promised land. And by faith, Noah built a boat and had to convince everybody that it was going to flood. And understand this, not one of them had ever seen rain in their entire life. And here he is trying to convince them to get on a boat for the water is to come. By faith, by faith, and by faith. Not a single one of these stories were people living in comfort. And every single one of them, they were living for a burden. That if God had not shown up, they would have been helpless and possibly look like idiots, right? So here's a challenge for you. What part of your life today are you helpless unless God supernaturally intervened? What part of your life today are you helpless unless God supernaturally intervened? And to be transparent with you, I'm not sure how I would answer that question. Because if you're anything like me, possibly our dreams are, are quite small, right? And our listening ear to the burden of God in our lives may, may be a little out of tune, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, the author goes on to say in Hebrews eleven six. listen to what he says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. His love in us will create more disruption than ease. I need you to know that. That's what the love of the Father does. I'm telling you, church, when you get this inside of you, when you allow the love of the Father to compel your life, you cannot pursue something as shallow as comfort. And so I want to challenge you with this. You cannot pursue comfort and walk by faith at the same time. You cannot pursue comfort and walk by faith at the same time. You can do one or the other, but you cannot do both. So if you are listening to this podcast saying, you know what, I think I'm on the wrong track. <laughs> you're in good company, okay? Because we kind of are all in that boat at some points in our lives, right? So we need to ask the question then, then what is the authentic? So what then is the authentic? Well, when I was 15 years old, I was a grocery bagger and I was actually really good at it. I was fast. I could bag the cans, the breads and the eggs and everything else in between and make them to where um, they didn't crush each other or anything like that, well protected and do it fast. I'm just going to brag a little bit. I was amazing. Okay, <laughs> to the point that I actually entered a grocery competition, you know, uh, a professional bagging competition. Uh, there's actually a thing, yes. And if you guys are like, man, this Dan does not have a life, you're right, I didn't. But I was good, right? But I was good. And in learning how to do my job as a 15 year old and being good at that, I, I became a cashier. I was promoted to a cashier when I turned 16, and, and we had to learn how to spot counterfeits in doing so. And I was like, this is going to be great because I can't wait to see what a fake $100 bill looks like or a fake $20 bill looks like. Well, guess what? It was hard to do. And it's because if you want to learn how to spot a counterfeit, you don't study the counterfeit. You have to know what the real thing looks like, right? How it feels, 
how it smells, right? Now that I said that, some of you are going to go home and, does the bill really smell? Yes, it does, okay? Not always very good either way. You got to pay attention to the texture, all the symbols that most people don't know exist on the Bible. You have to know what is authentic to know what is counterfeit. So for the rest of our time today, I just want us to fixate not on the counterfeit, not on the shallow, but on God's word, because our lives have to be built and led in such a direction that it flows out of the word of God. So we have to embrace the authentic. We have to embrace that authentic. So Paul actually lets us know in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, what a biblical perspective of comfort is. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. This is the real thing, and he is the real thing. When our paradigm for living now flows, not out of what we see in the system of our culture, but what we see presented in 66 books of God's word, we then realize that there are some things that we have to actually start to embrace. And there's also some things that we have to stop chasing. So if we stop chasing a counterfeit comfort, I want to just challenge you with two things as we embrace this authentic, okay? The first is this. I want you to embrace divine discomfort. Yes, that's what I said, embrace divine discomfort. I want you to learn how to welcome pain. I know that sounds crazy, but I want you to be able to be somewhat open-armed with suffering. Discomfort produces something in us. And I love the way James puts this in James 1. Some of you are familiar with this verse, but there's probably an aspect of it that you aren't aware of what it means. James writes, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, right? This pain, this trouble, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, right? The testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect, complete, not lacking anything. And when we look at that, when we look at that, it says that testing of our faith. Most of us don't enjoy taking tests, right? We don't really, right? Well, the testing of my faith, I'm sure if my faith gets tested, it's going to fail. Or it may be at least I might get a 72, you know, just barely passing the testing of my faith, right? This word has nothing to do with that definition, though. The word testing in Greek is the word dokimian. And this word is the same word used to describe what a silversmith would do with raw silver. The silversmith would take the ore and he'd put it in a big pot. And then he'd build a really, really hot fire beneath the pot. And then slowly the silver would start to melt. And the impurities as it's testing would come to the surface. And the silversmith would take an instrument and he would scrape the impurities away. He'd let it cool and then he would do it again. And then he'd do it again and again and again. And he'd get to the point that the silversmith could use his, see his own reflection in the silver. Okay? So what if the sufferings that you've gone through, the pain that you've endured, it's just God's way of saying, I just want to reveal the selfishness in your life. I just want to reveal what does not bear the image of Christ, the sin, the struggle. What if I'm doing all of this so that it comes to the surface and then your creator can slowly and repeatedly scrape it off to the point that God himself sees his own face when he looks at your life? It's the testing of your faith that produces something that makes your creator smile. 
Maybe you've had a child that is seemingly unreachable. As a parent, there's nothing more helpless, right? Maybe you've been paralyzed by the report from the doctor. Something bad, right? Maybe some of you, you're in a marriage right now, and you've never felt more alone. Maybe you find yourself with some kind of behavior or chemical addiction, and the only way you can describe your life is despair. What if? Just what if? What if the setback is supposed to be a setup? What if the, the misery is about to become your ministry? What if? What if the pain that you're facing is going to produce something more valuable than anything in your life? When I look at my life, I'm 47 years old. I've done some cool things. This moment is a cool thing where I'm being able to talk to you guys on a podcast. I love being able to do this on a weekly basis. I've been on some trips, some vacations. I bought some really cool stuff. Bought some stuff when I probably shouldn't have bought stuff, right? <laughs> I've been to a Vanilla Ice concert. Okay, that's important, right? <laughs> if you guys did not tune into last week's podcast, you missed out. Okay, uh, but the most valuable thing in my life, I promise you, is the presence of God in the context of my pain. It has produced things in me that only struggle and God can create, and it's a part of the journey of following Jesus. Paul says in Romans 5, and this is about to get a little crazier, Romans 5, 3 through 5, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you remember when we started today's podcast we ask the question, why are we pursuing this empty counterfeit comfort? And it's because there's a degree to which the love of the Father has not been allowed to penetrate our heart. But when that happens, you look at pain and you give God praise because you know what it's going to produce in your life. It's embracing authentic. And so I want to challenge you to embrace divine discomfort. It's going to do something special. And then in our culture, in a culture obsessed with living our, uh, our best life, I would like you to embrace that this is not your best life. Okay, Embrace that this is not your best life. Okay? Paul, in the letter to the Romans, writes this. He says, yet what we suffer is now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. This is not your best life. God has one for you. I promise you he does but it's not here and it's not now. What we suffer, what we struggle through is not even worth comparing, not even worth speaking it in the same sentence with the glory that he will reveal later. Paul goes on to say, for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children are. You are wired with a longing for eternity. Scripture says it. God has set an eternity in your heart. And so this drive inside of you to attain and get this stuff, a lot of that is God-given, but you're feeling, filling it with the wrong things, right? right uh, I want you to write this down if you can. Remember this. If you try to fulfill an eternal longing with temporary comfort, your life will be empty. I'll say that again. If you try to fulfill an eternal longing with temporary comfort, your life will be empty. You cannot put heaven's standards on an earthly existence it will always fall short. This is not your best life. So what do you do? Jesus said in Matthew 16, just let it go. Just don't live with such agenda of what you want this life to be. What if your posture to God was, let this life be whatever you want it to be, God. 
Let me experience whatever you want me to experience. Let me suffer with grace and dignity, Father. If you hold on to your life, Jesus says you'll lose it. But if you live open-handed, whatever you want to be, God will save it. Two weeks ago, I had to preach my dad's funeral. And as I stood in front of his casket, there was a joy that just washed over me momentarily. The joy was fueled in the reality that his best life had not ended. It literally just began. It literally just began. As Paul writes, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm asking you to join me in calling our pursuit of comfort what it is. It's a shallow counterfeit. It's like eating carbs. They taste good for a moment and then you're hungry five minutes later. It's this emptiness. It's empty. It does not, uh, it's not going to produce in you what you hope it does. So we have to embrace discomfort. Let pain bring the impurities of your life to the surface so that your God can slowly begin to remove them out of your life and recognize that we don't have to wait until heaven to live for eternity now. We can do that today. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another Venture Podcast. Uh, we had a pleasure speaking to you on this series. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll join us next week as we start a new series called Elisha, A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.